As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. It's, a, it's about a live following Watford. And hey, we'll follow them anywhere. We'll follow them in the Premier League, in the FA Cup. Hey, even in the Carabao Cup, which we have just done as Watford have, uh, have won uh, at 1-0 at home to Crystal Palace in the second round of the Carabao Cup. My name is John. Uh, I'm with me this evening is Mike. We'll follow them all the way to Wembley, John. <laughs> it's written, I tell you, it's happening. All the way again. And DCW. God, it's nice to be back here outside outside the Hornet shop yeah. after a game, and even better after a victory against Crystal Palace. Come on, yours. <laughs> it wasn't. It was, uh, the victory wasn't necessarily uh, easy to come by. I did turn to DCW at one point, Mike. You were sat behind us doing your, your duties for Opta, and I said, "How's anybody going to win this game? Because as a game of football goes, there were good bits from both teams." No one sort of showed a, a shining spell where they were going to do anything, but somehow Watford came out of the victors. Yeah, it was two relatively strong, well, two very strong teams actually in the context of the Carabao Cup, which I think on on one hand is is important. I think we were all pleased to see uh, the Watford side. It was kind of what we wanted in terms of giving players that we haven't seen play yet minutes. And the Palace side was um, was really strong. I'm going to name drop here. Oh. I was talking to Tommy Mooney before the game. <laughs> Who, funnily enough, has no recollection of me saving a penalty no. against him. I got my phone out. I was about to show him the, the video, and then he pretended he did remember. But and he said, you know, Palace haven't got any choice. They, you know, they, this is the, this is the squad they've got available. So I thought that was quite nice going into the game. But having said that, once it kicked off, as you described, John, it felt a little bit like both captains got together in the dressing room and said, "Come on, lads, let's just take it down a notch. No one needs anyone to get injured here. No one needs a massive spanking. No one needs to be kicking anyone up in the air. Let's just take it." down a, a bit and we were talking just talking to Geordie there about how we lost to Palace in pre-season and I don't like to disparage the, the Carabao Cup or any any competitive cup competition but it did have a touch of the pre-season friendlies about it didn't it a little bit and then yeah man, Watford sort of managed to hang in the game by the end of it Crystal Palace had their Premier League start in 11 on Benteke came on Mac- Mac- MacArthur came on Zaha played ele- um, the full 90 minutes 
and Watford managed to, to unlock the defence. They were the ones that had that little bit of quality. Lovely ball whipped in by Hernandez. Now it was Ashley Fletcher who, I see, God, he's still on, isn't he? He hasn't done much all game. But then he did exactly what a striker's yeah. supposed to do. Popped up in the right place at the right time. 1-0, bang, see you later. Yeah, I think exactly the same thing about Hernandez. I haven't seen much of him in this game. Is he going to do anything? Yep, he put whipped that ball in. Was it a tap-in, DCW? Was it a tap-in at the far corner? It wasn't a tap-in, no, because there, there was a little bit to do. The ball was at a slightly difficult height, and he finished it without any worries whatsoever. He, as Mike said, he was in the right place at the right time. I thought, I thought he was all right tonight, actually. When the, the problem that he and all the rest of the forwards had was they, they didn't get the ball much. You yeah. know, we couldn't really get enough of the ball to supply them with the ball in good areas. And the, the, the few times that we did, he looked lively, he looked, he looked quick, he looked up for it and that's going to give him confidence. And he's a bit of a strange one, isn't he? Because, see, Dennis scored in the first game. Kucher came off the bench, scored in the first game. The attention's all been on them. And Fletcher, it was kind of, when he signed, it was kind of a bit of like, oh, well, it's a bit interesting. Oh, that might that might come good. But I think we've sort of been burnt by the likes of Jerome Sinclair and others in the past. We sort of you're sort of guilty of lumping him in with those guys and yeah. thinking, oh, he's a guy that's sort of been around the block a few times. He's, you know, still young, but he's not really kicked on anywhere. It might come off, it might not. But that's just, you know, he's got a goal there, a winning goal for us tonight in, in an important game. And he could have a part to play this season. That could give him some confidence. He could kick on. Yeah, I mean, that's what I really wanted from this game today. I wanted those players who you, who you expect to be bit part players in the season to get something behind them, to be able to start a seeing and them seeing they, they could play the team. And I think the first half didn't really feel like they were, we were a team. There were some good moments, but nothing was cohesive. You could say the same with Crystal Palace. But that forward line, Cucho starting from the front, you know, Jacob on the weekend has said he wants him to be the super sub. That's a way he can see him working. He got 90 minutes. I felt he, he was a little bit lost. And in fact, the whole attack really didn't really take off until Dennis came on. God, he, he, I don't know. He, he felt faster. Yeah, and then it's because he didn't have Saar with him, who's also quite fast. But on his own, he felt so fast. That, that was really, for our attack, that was quite a changing moment. Taking King off. And, and putting on uh, and Dennis. Yeah, he was the spark. He was the catalyst. It was funny with in the 94th minute, Watford had got a throw in yeah. in, in the yeah. Palace half, and he'd raced to get it. He was all full of beans, full of energy, full of adrenaline, wanting to go. And Danny Rose was going, "No, mate, <laughs> calm it down." But I think he was definitely the catalyst for for the improvement. But I think I'm really enjoying watching these Watford striking striking options at the moment. At the last two games, this one included, it's been the idea of them that's kind of felt better than the actual execution. But I think we're seeing enough from players who haven't played a lot of football. Ashley Fletcher, Josh King actually, he impressed me with just his shape, his form, the way he touches the ball, takes it in, uh, takes it in his stride and moves on. He looks like a striker. He looks yeah. like a proper striker. He looked at like that on Saturday against, against Bryce when he came on. And he only had 45 minutes today. And yes, Dennis made all the difference when he came on. But I think we've seen enough from Josh King to think, well, that could be a, a canny signing. So from an attacking point of view, I'm quite excited. No, no Troy Deeney today, no Ismail Assar, Jean Pedro, of course, to come back. He's going to have to fight his way back in because he hasn't had much of a sniff in, in pre-season. He hasn't played any of the, the games so far this season. And everyone, I think, even Ashley Fletcher, who we definitely will be a bit part player, who got his goal today, you know, their danders will be up. And I think they've all shown that they, they're going to be asking questions of, of Cisco and knocking on the door for, for inclusion in the, in the team and the, and the squad. Just getting in the squad is going to be um, interesting for the, for the strikers. So I think we've seen the signs up top are promising, really, really promising. If we can keep Emmanuel Dennis fit, you know, he throws himself around, he is quick, he landed on his back today and needed a bit of treatment. 
and he feels like he could be one of those slightly rogue players who could pick up an injury. So keep him fit, and I think we could be in for a little bit of fun. So attacking-wise, I think I think we, we're in for some fun and games this season, if, if we can get the ball to him. If, 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 if. if. Midfield-wise, DCW, uh, loser... As Mike lovingly put it, very tactically put it, I thought, on the weekend, the game passed him by a little bit. It didn't pass him by as much today. He played the whole game. Mm. He felt like he it was a better game for him. It didn't necessarily feel like it was the redemption game for him. What about that midfield generally working? I know we saw the cleverly coming on a bit later on, but midfield-wise, we know we've still got injuries. It's, it's, it still doesn't feel settled to me. No, I think it's still a bit of an issue. I wasn't that impressed by Loser, and I really don't want to hold this against him because it's a poor bloke. It's not his fault, but I just, just not sure he's ever going to be a success with that surname. <laughs> we, I mean, no, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! We, we had a success for years, and let's let's leave. We, I don't need to say any more. <laughs> it's just dawned on me when I said that. Actually, yeah. success, Loser, both of them are rubbish. <laughs> but um, no, I thought he struggled a bit tonight, and look, he's. I think a lot of them are still short of match fitness. The pre-season wasn't really a traditional pre-season still, was it? He's the guy that we paid the most money for this summer, so there's a bit of expectation on him, but I did think the first half in particular passed him by. He looked like look, he wanted to do the right things and he's got the right ideas, yeah. but he needed... He want, he's always wanted a, you know an extra few seconds to do it, and, and, and he wasn't quite up to speed in terms of taking the extra touch and just getting those passes off. And Atibo... It's the first time I've seen him in the flesh as well. And, you know, he's decent. He's got some good moments in him. But, you know, I know we've talked about this at length, but it still feels to me like we miss that player like Will Hughes who can take the ball off the defence. Yeah. I think we were struggling to get out. We, we want to play out from the back, but we, we can't really because there, there doesn't seem to be anyone who's willing to or even good enough to come and collect it short from the from the defenders or the goalkeeper under pressure and build the attacks from that which is what which is what Hughes did so superbly last season so I think that that is an issue and it's something that we'll, we will need to address maybe Tufan will be that player I'm not sure I've not seen him much it's still talk that we're going to go after another midfielder before the deadline next Tuesday so there's clearly something you know the midfield is clearly still on the minds of the hierarchy and of the coach and of the recruitment staff so I, I think I think that's the big worry for me. I think, as Mike said, there's been a lot of encouraging signs for the forward players, despite the, de the performance and the defeat against Brighton and the conceding two goals against Villa. I don't think the defence have disgraced themselves at all. The, whoever's played so far this season, really, maybe Messina's not been fantastic, but, um, you know, I think midfield, I think, I think that is still the area that we need to sort of sort out still yeah. at this stage of the season. Yeah, things still a bit settling and nailing down. Some players not playing to their strengths, but hey, that's what another week of the transfer windows for. Defensive though, Mike, particularly, well, across the, the defence, felt so much more better. Now, the question for me is, is, is that because of the wing-backs or is that because of one man in the middle who, I think he lost a bit of his power in the second half because his, his man, Bun, slipped out slightly and it turned into a ponytail. But Sierra Alta in that centre-back, his positioning is just beautiful. I don't think anyone's got any concerns about Sierra Alto. I think he looks eminently equipped to step up to the Premier League. I don't even think he had any problems tonight against anyone he faced, including Benteke when he came on, who's obviously a challenge. So I think um, 
I think uh, Sierra is, as we all hope and expect, he's an absolute Rolls Royce of a of a centre back. And if I was Cisco Munoz, when I'm looking at defenders, he's the he's the first name on the on the team sheet for me. I think it was great to see him back today. As long as the only thing that slips is his man bun, then uh, I think <laughs> we'll be absolutely happy. But yeah, really interesting. It was either side of him yeah. that was really fascinating to see. And Danny Rose on on, on the left, Dito was already criticised. Messina not necessarily being the best. What about Danny Rose for you? Just worked for me, was a Premier League player doing Premier League yeah. things, making the best choices in a calm manner, efficient. He, he, at one point, he got the ball near him. He didn't, literally, it was a second between it bouncing in front of him and he put the ball in to the box exactly where you want him to do it. DCW wants to come in here, so okay, I'll, okay, no, I'll keep it brief. I want to agree with what you said. I think his Premier League quality show tonight, the simple touches, whether it was taking himself out of danger or indeed beating a man and finding a little bit of space to set up a, an attack. And I think it was his ball to Hernandez, wasn't it, that, that set up the goal. And he just knew what he was doing. I thought there was one bit where he scooped the ball away, left his legs there and won the foul. Cute, little things like that. And you know that was as probably as sound a debut. You know you can't we can't get over the top. We've won the game. We're excited. We're all smiling. It's great. It's a lovely balmy August evening. We're into the next round of the cup, but we can't go over the top with these performances. It was a notch down in terms of intensity. But 90 minutes in the in the tank for for Danny Rose, and I thought that was just what I enjoyed with those little bits of Premier League experience and quality that were on show. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you about Danny Rose. I, I was really impressed with him tonight, and. I'd spoken to a Newcastle fan, a friend of mine in the summer, who was not complimentary about him at all from the spell that he had there. And I think we, we need to remember that he hasn't played a competitive game of football since the back end of the 1920 season. Didn't, he didn't play any football for Spurs last season, didn't get in their 25-man squad at either at start or the middle of the season. So clearly, physically, he's got, he's got some work to do. You can see he was struggling a bit, I think, towards the end. He was coming over to the touchline a lot, getting water. He, was, he looked like he was, he was blowing a little bit. But that's to be expected. But what's not in doubt is his quality. The efficiency of his passes, as you say, John, the, it, 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 he, doesn't, he doesn't need the extra touch. He can play first time if he needs to, and it goes exactly where he wants it to go. It, it fizzes in there. It's crisp. He can put a good ball in if he, if he wants to go longer, you know, cross from deep. He put a lovely little ball around the outside of his foot down for Cucho, which led to the goal. He, he has got Premier League quality. The bloke played in the World Cup semi-final what, three, three years ago. So he's been there, he's done it. He needs to get physically up to scratch. But we're going back to his old home on Sunday against Spurs. Old boy rule wins! Oh, old boy rule! I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to see. Maybe physically he's not, you know, what we'd be coming up against the likes of Son or Lucas Moore, so it could be tough for him. But I think, you know, I'm encouraged by what we've seen there. And if he can get, if he can get up to speed in terms of his fitness soon, I think we, we have got a real good player on our hands there. The question is, do you take his Premier League know-how and all that, all that comes with it and a slight lack of fitness over Adam Messina and his sort of getting caught out of position and, you know, rashness on occasion. So I think he's played himself into contention, absolutely, certainly. We, we no idea what the fitness levels are like. We'll, you know, we don't see the, the, the training ground, but I think it's, yeah, it's a real difficult uh, decision for Cisco, but I'd be tempted to go with him just for that experience, just to shore it up after a, a pretty chastening afternoon at Brighton. Just It, it gives that back line with Sir Alta coming in as well a little bit of extra yeah. heft and belief and, and understanding. So, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, at right back, of course, we saw two. We saw 60 minutes from uh, Jeremy Ngakia. Uh, and we saw uh, one other 30 minutes. My maths are quite good. Uh, from uh, Kiko Femenia. DCW, 
again, you didn't get 90 minutes of either of them. It just feels better. And Jacob said it on the weekend. Yeah, it feels better to have a right-back playing right-back rather than, than Craig Cathcart. Do you feel, though, that that, from what you saw, is going to change Cisco's mind enough to start, not, or to not start Craig Cathcart on the weekend? Uh, again, I'm not sure. I think Cathcart's the conservative option. But as, as I just said there, Spurs have got, they've got some quick, pacey players you know they've got more they've got some they've got Bergwijn that front three you don't really you don't want Craig Cathcart a fullback so I think he is going to need to think about that he's going to have to put one of Firmino and Gakia in they're both quick enough and Gakia's a strange one to me he's kind of you know he sort of he was in the team wasn't he at the start of last season and he was quite a it sort of felt like a little bit of a coup for us getting him from West Ham when he signed um, I wonder if he's regretting that move now, looking at <laughs> looking at West Ham. But he wouldn't get in the team anyway. But um, he, he he feels like the slightly forgotten man to me. Obviously, Kiko stayed. We thought he might leave at the start of last season. He stayed, and he was obviously a, a big big mainstay of that promotion side. And I, I I still think Kiko should be first choice. I know Mike's spoken about his you know, Kiko's weaknesses, his defensive weaknesses, and I think you saw against Zaha, he had a few dodgy moments even when he first yeah. came on. So I think he needs to still get up to speed as well. But if I if I was choosing between the two, I think I'd still go with Kiko. I think I think I know he has his moments where he leaves the back door open, perhaps. But I think he does give you that threat going forward. And I I just rightly or wrongly I trust him a bit more than Ngakia at the moment. I did see that Ngakia was. It looked like he was very disappointed and angry to come off when he did. He sort of threw the ball away because he was just about to take a throw and he threw the ball away. Had to do the long walk away, long walk all the way around the pitch. So it's clearly motivated, clearly a bit annoyed that he, you know, that he came off. And he's obviously, I'm sure he believes that he should be the first choice right back. But for me, I don't think he's quite there. Here's a question for you, John. So Kiko Femeni is obviously much better going forward. And does that sort of almost taking the game to the opposition, regardless of who it is, closing that gap between the, the defence and the midfield, trying to play the game further up the pitch? And Kiko will definitely leave the back door open. I had my head in my hands when Zaha just, he was completely, he didn't know where he was, quite frankly. Uh, he was too good for, for Kiko for those initial tussles. But he's great going forward, and that gives the opposition something to, to worry about. He can bomb on, he has got pace, he can pick a pass, and he's got a lovely touch. So I just wonder whether we might be able to overlook his defensive frailties, if you like, in, in turn for a real bold approach with him. I think if we play three at the back, and he's there for a proper traditional wing-back with three centre-backs, that probably feels like the best thing to do against someone like Spurs, asking them the questions, mm. give them something more to think about. Take it to him, baby. Take it to him, all the way to White Hart Lane, or whatever it's called these days. Goalkeeper-wise, um, Foster, of course, clean sheet. No camera in the goal. It took me about 15 minutes to look myself to check will there be any uh, in-goal action. But DW, it's an amazing place we're at, with Barkman being so good in the last half a season. But Ben's ready there for, for if and when needed. He yeah, made a few good saves tonight, actually. It was one in the second half he made with his feet. He won the first off as well, yeah. From Ayu or Benteke. Um, he looked sharp, he looked fit, he looked up for it. Looked like the, you know, not, not been at all distracted by his YouTube uh, antics, his great success that he's had with, with his YouTube channel. So it's good that he's there and that he's obviously at a stage in his career where he's probably happy to be the backup coming for these cup games. Although maybe he disagrees, maybe he wants to play every game, I'm sure he wants to, but... 
he's a great backup to have, I think, at this, at this stage in his career. And for us to bring someone in, how many games have we seen, these cup games, where you bring in someone who isn't quite ready? So you bring in someone like him and you know, OK, you've got a leader out there, you've got someone you can rely on. And if he does have to step into the first team in the Premier League at any, at any point, he's still more than good enough to play there. He's just a bloke with a camera. I did, quite, <laughs> I, I did quite enjoy that from the Palace fans. That was one of the better chants from their travelling uh, travelling fans this evening. But yeah, again, know-how, experience helps see the game through. Um, yeah, there was some lovely time wasting at the end as well. Oh. Just pulling the socks oh, yeah, up the socks at the goal down. kick. <laughs> absolute king, isn't he? The absolute king. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. It is the Carabao Cup. Of course, cup games are, are magical things. Well, are they Carabao Cup? I don't think we're allowed to be magical. Only the FA Cup can be magical. But this is a, a time where we had a mic we asked today, roll call, who's going, tell us who's going. Lots of people here. It wasn't quite full. What was the attendance at the end? 9,011, John. 9,011. 9,011. Thank you very much for your superb support this evening. We'll see you here again. <laughs> when the visitors are Wolverhampton Wanderers. But we saw lots of kids again. Yeah, and it was amazing. And in the response to those tweets, there was at least, I think, three or four people who were saying that their kids are coming for the very first time, which was such a thrill, such a buzz. Met one of them tonight, Louis. Hello, Louis. And what I loved about this, Louis, I'm a young lad, um, much younger than Arlo, and he predicted, he was there in all his Watford gear, all yellow, all smiley, all happy. I said, what's your prediction? And he said, 1-0 Palace. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, you will fit right in. You found your home, my friend. Um, so hello, Louis, and, and everyone he was with. Um, just great to see all those kids. And your first game, DCW, was a second round. What was it, what was it called then? The Litter, was, it, was it the Rumbelows Cup? No, that, it was the Coca-Cola Cup okay. for me. And that was September 1995. Uh, or October 1995 against then Premier League champions Blackburn Rovers oh. and when I came out of the of the concourse tonight I looked at the pitch I thought there we go I've travelled back in time 20, 26 years or whatever it is we're wearing a Blackburn Rovers kit tonight Palace <laughs> and it, it is an amazing you know cup from, you know the, the, the first run of the FA Cup for me was, was amazing in 1986-1987 because it was the semi-final. But, you know, this, this Carabao Cup, we, we've chat about it, but it, it's, not a re- it's never really been a thing that people have loved. Cup competitions like this were, were started because people get excited about midweek games the first time because of the European Cup competition that had been started. As Colin said, everyone had started in floodlights, so let's start playing some games in the middle of the week. Back in 1960s, the year before it came, the London Times said this about the cup. Where a drastic reduction is required in an attempt to raise quality, no doubt quantity and a further spread of mediocrity will be the dose. Where men like Count Bernabeu, with his wider horizons, think in terms of a European league for the future in which a lead could surely now be given jointly by our leaders, the Football League proposed next season to implement their useless Football League Cup to be played in midweek. It gets the players, the clubs and the public nowhere. It's, it's not popular let's say, comparatively, DCW, especially according to the magic of the FA Cup. But for clubs, do you think, what, what, what is it, this, this cup competition, or, or generally cup competitions, what, what's it worth to football clubs? It's great if you get to the latter stages. It would be amazing if we got to the final. And it's possible teams like Premier League, sort of lower mid-table to lower Premier League teams have made it to the final. Birmingham City won it in 2011, right? Ten years ago, Swansea won it. I was at that game. They obviously they beat Bradford City in the final that year, who were in League One at the time. Um, well, they might even have been in League Two. 
I think maybe even. But that year was at Man City. Yeah. But, but obviously, Man City have hoovered it up over the last se- several years. But I think this season as well, it's, it's as you saw Vieira talking about the game tonight, saying that he wanted to play most of his first team because they still needed games. They haven't had a pre-season. I think that's the same with us. We gave, as we've spoken about tonight, we've gave them, given players minutes and a chance to play in a proper game. And... It can feel like you can get in the way. We've, we've all been to so many shit games over the years where we've played Bradford and we've played Notts County and we've played... Bournemouth. Port and, you know, you, you know, Wickham and all sorts of games over the years and it feels a bit lethargic and a bit weird and a bit, you know, a bit rubbish. But Were you more, inter- you more interested and up for this game then? Well, I was up for it because it was my first time here yeah. properly since since like the Christmas of 2019, whatever it was. So I was, I was bang up for it. But also like on, the other, on the other side, as, as, as many memories of lethargic, disappointing defeats or even narrow victories I've got of this competition, some of my best ever memories of, of being a Watford fan were that cup run to the semi-finals of the League Cup in 2005, was it? Um, we beat Southampton, we beat Portsmouth when they were both in the Premier League. Fantastic. We lost to Liverpool in a two-legged semi-final, but we only lost to Liverpool 1-0 at the Vic and it was a great atmosphere and you know it, it's, it's, it's not that different from the FA Cup really in terms of the amount of games you need to win the quality of the opposition you know on, on average it might even be a bit higher sort of across the whole board in the League Cup you know and I think we should I know the Premier League is king and I'm sure Mike will talk about this but I understand why teams sometimes don't take it seriously but it's nice to win games of football isn't it if you can win them win them and if you can go all the way or as far as you can it's great. I always think this particular competition, you know, the League Cup playing games early in the season, we've seen today, opportunity for first-team players to get it, not down the 23s, that we sort of feel like we always get in the third round of the FA Cup. You know, there's a massive long stretch of games that you get in any league, Championship or in the Premier League, in December, all the way through to the new year, and it's like, hey, it's a chance to have a week off. But this game, Mike, the, the, the Carabao Cup, how do you feel about it? Do you think the attitude of fans is right? Well, I, I, it's interesting hearing that clip from the Times from from back in the day. I don't know if that was the original narrator from uh, from back. <laughs> Just Colin. <yeah. laughs> but because uh, I was always of the opinion uh, as a supporter that as fans, as fellow fans, we gave up on the League Cup a little bit too easily. It felt like we were told by Manchester United and perhaps some of the other teams that were at the top at, at that time that it was a lesser competition because they weren't playing their best teams, and it kind of felt like well. OK, Man United aren't, but it was them at that time, wasn't it, really, what, 20, 25 years ago? It felt like, oh, OK, well, Man United aren't interested, so we ought to stop going. Whereas I'm like, if Watford are playing, I really want to be there and I really want us to, I really want us to win. So I just wonder, as a, as, a, as a footballing community, whether we've sort of cast it aside a little bit too easily. Because as we've spoken about, great memories. I love, I was down at Bournemouth Dean Court when... Um, Kevin Phillips got beaten up by the police. We won on penalties and the police thought he was a pitch invader. So I cuffed him around the ear and it was Kevin Phillips on the bench. So there's been great memories. A chance, a real chance for silverware. Um, so I would get a little bit frustrated. You know, it was a small crowd tonight, 9,000. Um, and we see that it's an opportunity for, for youngsters to come along, families to come, it's cheaper tickets. Why wouldn't you? And I know you've got, to, you've got to weigh it up in between paying for your season ticket, paying for other stuff. If you want to go away to Tottenham at the weekend and perhaps take your kids there, it's going to cost you a, a pretty penny. And perhaps if you can save 30, 40 quid by not coming tonight, then that's understandable. But I just wonder whether we gave up too early as the footballing fan fraternity, whether we gave up too early back in the, back in the day. But I think in the context of tonight, I think it was really important for Watford. And this is, uh, this is a point Geordie made before kickoff. 
lose tonight against a strong Palace side and that's a bad week. That's a really bad yeah, week. Yeah. As it is, we're going into Tottenham. Hopeful, I think, is a bit um, is stretching a little bit, but with more kernels of optimism than we had coming out of Brighton and Hove Albion on, on Saturday. So if you play it right, I think credit to both managers tonight. Patrick Vieri didn't have a choice. He had to play who he's got. He hasn't got anyone else. And Gisco Munoz has, has shuffled his pack. Troy Deeney's watching at home, which is obviously an interesting one. But he's played a strong side as well, as you say, John. No under-23s. I think they've got it right tonight, both clubs. And it's it served Watford well. Palace, all their supporters will be saying, glad to be out of it. Never, never cared about it anyway. <laughs> we, there's no rivalry with Watford. Yeah. <laughs> which the first thing they the first thing they were singing about was did you cry at Wembley and all that sort of nonsense. They don't care about us. No, of course they don't. I think in the context of tonight. Well done, Watford. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. So we're off to, to. Is it still called White Hart Lane? Do we still call it White Hart Lane? Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's Technically. rubbish. Yeah. It's still on White Hart Lane. Yeah, it's still white. We're going to White Hart Lane on the weekend. Uh, Sunday kickoff. Thank you, European competitions. But we go to Tottenham, and what are we expecting? As part of the Athletic, we get to chat to the different correspondents from the various different clubs, and Charlie Eccleshare has shared us his thoughts on what Watford can expect from Spurs on the weekend. So in the two Premier League games under Nuno so far, Spurs have been pretty organised, pretty resilient, um, you know, a lot more solid at the back, certainly compared to last season, which was a bit of an Achilles heel for them. They don't look as vulnerable, they've got the Hoybier skip, double pivot um, with Ali kind of roaming. I'm normally a 4-3-3 that can become a 4-2-3-1 when they're attacking. Um, and they, they've packed a punch going forward as well, you know, often playing on the counter uh, with the pace of Son and Mora and Bergvine and those guys. 
Uh, and obviously, you know, who knows who will be by the weekend. But you know, Kane uh, came on uh, at the end of the Wolves game, so he could come into that side as well. And then they're suddenly looking uh, even more dangerous. You know, they play as well with fullbacks. Certainly on one slightly lopsided, they've got Regulon on the left who likes to get forward. He can be a threat. Tanganga, who's played the first couple of league games, uh, right back's a bit more solid, a bit more reserved, but that works quite well, gives them quite a nice balance. Looking at how Watford can get one over on Spurs, I mean, something we haven't really seen so far uh, in those league games anyway is Tottenham having to chase a game. Uh, against City, they you know, were comfortable at 0-0 and then they scored early in the second half um, and from then on could play on the counter and have that real threat. Obviously against Wolves, they took the lead early and so the onus is very much on Wolves to come at them. Um, what will be interesting is to see what this Nuno's Tottenham team looked like against a team that sat, sits back, maybe frustrates them, because if you look at their midfield, they don't really, without Ndombele uh, and Celso, who hasn't yet they've got fully up to speed after the Copa America, got someone who can move the ball forward particularly quickly from midfield. So I do just wonder you know, if Watford can frustrate them, sit back, um, you know, how they'll be against that sort of deep line defence. So that that's probably, you know, the biggest area of uncertainty so far. And you'd, you'd expect Watford would uh, sit back and try and play on the counter. And yeah, so I do wonder if that will be a way they can frustrate and then, you know, with the threat they have, get one, get one on Spurs the other way. DCW, give me a score out of 10 of how much Watford can get something from that game. Do you think we've got the tactical nous in our manager, the ability to... <sighs> Pick the right, and we've got the right players for him to pick to get something from it, not to be ridiculed by one of these rich clubs. It's going to be interesting because I think Spurs under Nuno are a team that want to play on the break a little bit. They definitely played that way against Manchester City in the first game, and they were away to Wolves in the second game. And Wolves had a lot of shots on goal and a lot of a lot of possession, so I think it suited them as well as so they've won two games one nil, but. They're not going to have it their way against against Watford. We're going to surrender possession, I think, and it's it maybe the two teams will sort of cancel each other out a little bit. But obviously, Spurs have got a better team than us, much more quality than us, especially in forward areas, but all over the pitch, really. It's going to be a difficult afternoon, but we've beaten them before. We have. We've beaten them before when they had arguably a better team and a better manager. It might well be Harry Kane's last ever game for Tottenham. <laughs> so... Let's ruin the party! <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe we won't see him, I don't know. But you've got to go. It's one of those games where you go there and you just give it everything you've got and see what you come out with. I think the last time we were up in the Premier League, we we lost, didn't we, to them? But we we should have, we got done, hard done. Oh, we, VAR, VAR was not our friend that day. Yeah, exactly. So, and then the time, you know, we've, we've beaten them not too long ago at Vicarage Road. We've had some close games against them. Just go for it. Well, my big thing is Mike's away this weekend and Arlo when we were at the Bright on the weekend he said the last time Watford beat Spurs in August we were away on holiday they were on holiday we're, we're bob on spot on we're going to win that game just because the Parkins are away on holiday who do you want the next round Mike I don't think the, the draw is probably Wednesday after the Wednesday games do you, want to, do you want to use the opportunity to get a scalp I want to win I want to go through but bring on anyone Wembley, yeah. Nice home tie, home tie, home tie. It's been brilliant tonight. There's so many people here, sort of old faces got together. So let's have a home tie. Let's have another smiley afternoon evening. Um, who do we, Arlo? Who do we want in the next round? Quick, huh? Norwich. Well, we'll see who comes out of the pot. Remember, 
if you uh, know Adam this week, he'll be back next Thursday. He will do a full rundown of everything that has gone on in this transfer window on our Thursday podcast with Adam Leventhal. And of course, if you want to keep up to date with everything that's going on, the depth, the information that's going on with what for the transfer window, with all the other clubs, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end, where at this present moment, you get a lovely 33% off. If you're aware of your fractions, that is one third, uh, which works about three ninety nine a month if you go and you sign up at the moment. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you very much, DCW. Thank you. And Arlo, you can finish. Come on, you all! The Athletic.